but we're going to be talking about Go today. Um, you guys remember what the first two keywords are? Belong and flourish. Yeah, you got the second one. Good job. So belong, what's the whole phrase? Belong to the body of Christ. Flourish. Man, I give you guys a few weeks off from this. Wow. Flourish as disciples. Yeah, oh yeah. What is the third? Go. Oh, Jake. <laughs> in service and mission. Good job over here. Go in service and mission. We're going to define in service and mission, all right? What's the difference between the two? <clears throat> service, for the purposes of go in service and mission, service is primarily focused on meeting physical needs. Go in service. We meet physical needs. That could be food pantry Yard cleanup for the elderly, financial assistance for housing, painting, all those types of things. Anything that has physical needs, that's the service. The mission, go in mission, is primarily focused on meeting spiritual needs. That might be a vacation Bible school, just like the one we're doing tomorrow, right? We're going to be giving those kids... um, a healthy dose of Jesus in the Bible each day. It might be door-to-door evangelism. It could be outreach events. It is not something that only happens in another country. It's something that can and should happen right here in our own backyard. I want you to see in the scriptures today how Jesus had both of these types of ministry. He had the service and he had the mission in his own life. So if you're there in Matthew 4, we're going to walk through a little bit of this together. Jump back a few verses, about five, in Matthew 3. It's the baptism of Jesus. So he gets baptized. John the Baptist baptizes him. He comes up out of the water. It says the heavens in verse 16 were opened. The Spirit of God, descending like a dove, came to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What happens next? Verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he goes through the temptations in the wilderness. Now, one of the things that the book of Matthew is showing us is whereas Adam was tempted and failed, Jesus, who's called the second Adam in Romans and 1 Corinthians, Jesus was tempted and succeeded. Think about it just for a second. Matthew is drawing this picture for us of Jesus and his trial. Adam had the perfect setting to succeed. He was in the garden, created by God, especially for him and Eve. He had everything he needed. Luscious fruit, companionship with his wife, intimacy with God, yet he failed the test. And here Jesus is in a horrible setting. He's in the wilderness with no one else, doesn't even have food. Forty days, forty nights, without food. And then the tempter comes. So the tempter comes, the enemy seeks an opportune moment, he saw one with Jesus, and he took it. Whereas Adam was tempted once, just once, and failed, Jesus was tempted 
three times by the devil and succeeded each time. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. Amen? He had words, but he had deeds as well. So he goes through the temptation. Then look at verse 12. When he had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew from Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach. So this is really the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. We find out in one of the other Gospels, he was around 30 at the time he started his public ministry. So it says, from that time, after his temptation, after his baptism, Jesus began to preach. What was the message? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus preached and he taught the people. One chapter later, Matthew 5, is what? Sermon on the Mount. 5, 6, and 7. What does he do? He's instructing the people. He's teaching the people. So Jesus' pattern was one of preaching and teaching. I would call that the mission part of the go and service and mission. But his ministry wasn't just one of preaching and teaching. He also served people and met their physical needs. He ministered to their needs. He healed diseases. He fed people. He cast out demons. If we keep reading, in verse 18, it's when he calls his first disciples. Then pick it up in verse 23. It says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's the mission part. That's him doing the teaching and preaching. But then go on, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. That's the service, meeting physical needs. So he taught, and he served in both areas. Turn a couple, keep your finger there, because we're going to come back to it, but turn a couple chapters to Matthew 8, we'll see this example again. Verse 14, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Again, meeting physical needs. Jesus did both in his earthly ministry right here to the people. What was the response of his disciples? They followed the example of their master, Look at Mark chapter 6. 
Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples here. Starting in verse 7, it says, He called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. And then here's what they did. Notice their actions. They went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Was that the message that Jesus was giving? Yes. They're following the example of their master. Then go on, verse 13. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they had the service part and they had the mission part. Both have to go together. And we want to be a church where we are there to minister to people in whatever capacity is needed. This will mean at times we have a service focus on physical needs. This will mean at times we will have a mission focus on spiritual needs. Every single one of us, every single one of us needs to participate in both the service and the mission. This includes activities in the life of the church as well as our own personal lives. We have to remember two things. It is about what is needed, not about what people want. Right? It's about what is needed, not about what people want. Second, it is about what is needed, not about what we want. All right, we need to meet needs, not wants. And for us, we see a need and we meet it. There's this story, maybe you've heard it before, of the boy, he's on the beach, and all these starfish have washed up on the beach, and he's walking along and, and he's picking up each starfish and, and tossing it back into the ocean. And this elderly man is coming down the beach and he sees this boy. There's just hundreds of starfish all along the beach and he's picking it up and tossing them and tossing each one. And the elderly man is like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm saving these starfish. <clears throat> and the elderly man is like, there's no possible way you could cover this entire beach in time. And so the, the, the boy picks, picks up a starfish and he looks at it and he tosses it in the ocean and he says, maybe not, but for that one... I just made a difference. And that's the same for us. Could we possibly reach the beach of humanity? No. But we do what God puts in front of us, and we do and reach the starfish where we're at. Whatever God brings to us, our little location on that section of the beach is who we minister. Those are the needs that we meet. We want to be strategic in how we do this. We know we'll do these two things, service and mission, but we want to have a strategy to implement them. And we don't want to be haphazard about what we're doing. So we want focused, intentional, well-planned ministry. One example is Belize. You know, when we go into a place, we recognize that the pastors of a country like Belize, um, they know their country a lot better than we ever will. And they know their village a lot better than we ever will. And they know how to minister to the people of their village better than we know how. 
They know how best to reach them, how best to love them. They know what they really need as opposed to what they might think they need. And what we don't want to do, and I've seen it done before, is appear on the scene and, and say, well, here are the Americans, right? You, you scoot out of the way, and we'll show you how real ministry is done. Unfortunately, that's happened and does happen in missions. But we want to be humble ministers of the word, recognizing that God has gifted people, not just in America, but across the world. If someone's a believer, they have a spiritual gifting, at least one, right, by the Lord. And he's put people in key leadership positions and authority in those churches where we want to go and help them and serve them. So when we go into a country, we like to work through the pastors in the churches. That only makes sense to me because it should be a partnership, right? Uh, We're not just showing up on the scene. No, we want to partner with those churches that are already there doing the work, in part because as fruit comes, they need a place to be plugged into. Second, because those, those pastors know best how to minister in their area. So we will go, and we will go, and we will talk with the pastors and say, what does your community need? How can we serve you? What do you want us to do to help your church and to help your village? Times and times we've had different ideas, and the pastor's like, no, that's, that's not what we need. So we switch our plans to what the pastor thinks we need. Just a few years ago, <clears throat> I served with uh, the mission organization Praying Pelican Missions. Um, and the week before our church went down there, I went a week ahead of time and led two other churches on their mission trip. And on the first day, um, I was talking with one of the pastors uh, from one of the churches, and he said they, they lost someone at the last minute. Someone had to drop out for whatever reason. But they were able to fill the spot uh, with a retired missionary who had been um, on the mission field for about 13 years. And I knew at that moment it was either going to be an amazing week or an awful week. <laughs> because I knew this missionary, uh, with all his experience, Um, might be challenged coming into a country that he had never been into, even though he had all the mission experience from another foreign country. Um, Unfortunately, it was a horrible experience. (laughs) Uh, The missionary thought he knew everything about missions, everything about Belize, everything about the culture, everything about the people, everything about the best way to reach them. Um, Sadly, he was kind of a bully about it. At one point, he was so frustrated with me that in front of about 50 people, um, he chewed me out so that everyone clearly heard it and told me in no uncertain terms I had no clue how to do ministry. That is the, here are the Americans, you know, scoot out of the way, we know how to do it. That's not what we want to do as believers. We want to be humble. We want to recognize that maybe God has gifted us in certain areas, but he's not gifted us in every single area. And we want to learn from others. Another example is Link. We're starting our VBS tomorrow. We actually had an idea about ministry with Link, and we went to them and said, hey, here's what we're thinking for ministry this summer. This is what we would like to do. Um, What do you guys think? Um, And Kathy, who heads up Link, an awesome lady, Um, responded, was very gracious, and was like, hey, we're always open to whatever any group wants to do. Our building is always open to be used. But where we could really, really, really use help 
is with our VBS. So that's not really what we wanted, but that's what Link wanted. And that's what Link needed. So we bent what we wanted to what was needed and decided that we would do the VBS because Link knows what Link needs. And it knows the people in that community what's best for them. So we're doing the VBS. We're about meeting needs and not wants. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 6. We're going to work through a couple of these verses just briefly. It says this, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So he's talking, really the context here is in, is in giving. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your need for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, notice there that word, the needs, right? The needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. Right, so they're giving financially here their resources to help ministry occur. And I want you to notice, though, what is the result of it? In verse 12, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, so that's good, we want to meet the needs, but look also, is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And as we are meeting needs, guess what? One, it blesses people. And usually when we bless people, it results in them a thankful heart. A thankful heart, really, and more importantly, a thankful heart to God. Go on in verse 13. By their approval of this service, look what happens. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. They glorify God. Notice also it says it's a submission to God. You know, here specifically, financially, you're sacrificing for the kingdom. You're putting God's kingdom before your kingdom. And when we serve God where he wants us, not where we want, but where he wants us, we are submitting to him. We're submitting to him and acknowledging his rule and authority in our life. What we're saying is, not my will, but yours be done. Just like Link. Link would have let us do what we wanted to do, but that's not what was needed. Okay, Not our will, but what the Lord wants, what he sees the needs are for his people and for those that aren't his people yet. So <clears throat> we go where we are needed. 
And we go where God wants us. And we serve where we are needed. Not doing what we want, but doing what God wants. This idea of service and mission, the two are not mutually exclusive. And sometimes that's what happens. Either one gets focused on to the exclusion of the other, or the other gets focused on to the exclusion of the first. You really have to have both. Think of this for a second. A tsunami hits a country. The whole area is devastated. The infrastructure is completely down. Nothing works, no electricity, no resources, nothing. You are tasked with helping these people. And you're like, well, they need food. So you get big ships. You even got some cooling systems to keep that bread fresh. You get big ships, and you're just shipping bread to that country to help them out. You load up your entire fleet with bread, just tons and tons of bread. But you forget something. You forget water. They need water, right? So you bring the bread, but how long are they going to make it just on bread with no access to clean water? Well, not very long. Bread alone... Physical bread will not sustain a person maybe much past a week or two. They got to have the water. Was it wrong to bring the bread? No. Was it foolish to only bring the bread? Yes. The bread by itself does no good for the long term. Yes, they need the bread, but they have to have the water. And without the water, uh, the bread is only a short Term fix. So we want to make sure that we don't build people an earthly house when their eternal home is in hell. That earthly house, and I've helped build four to five houses in Belize and Mexico, that earthly house is needed. People need shelter. But that house won't last. And compared with eternity, it's a temporary solution. There is an eternal home that each person has. It's the dwelling of heaven or the dwelling of hell. And the bread, that's the service part of go and service and mission. It's the physical houses we build. It's the food we give to the poor. I mean, that's needed. It is needed. People need shelter. People do need physical food. But they have to have the water. They have to have the water. They need something to sustain them Past this life. All the bread in the world doesn't do anyone good if they don't have the water. So when we go, we want to take the service, but we have to take the mission. Now, some mission trips might have more of an emphasis on one than the other. I understand that. I've been a part of those. But you've got to have both. There's no good to build someone a house, a physical house, and never tell them about their eternal dwelling. You've given them something for 40, 50, 60 years. We need to give them something for an eternity that can make a difference. Now, oftentimes, when they see the church in action, it gives a footing for us to tell them about that eternal dwelling. But if we don't open our mouths, and if we're not preaching the word, if we're not sharing the word, use whatever word you want, teaching, then we're just giving a temporary solution. And even worse, potentially, we're giving them the idea that the temporary solution is a permanent solution. 
So we have to go with the bread and water. We have to go with the bread, the physical needs. We have to bring the water every single time, whether it's in our own backyard or in a different country. They have to have the spiritual needs met. They have to know about Jesus. They have to hear the word of truth. They have to have it proclaimed to them. A couple things to note. You know, there's this saying, it's attributed to Francis Assisi, he never said it, by the way. Um, But it says, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. I don't like that. Um, Besides the fact Francis never said it, um, he probably would have said the exact opposite. Um, He was quite the preacher. Um, I just think it's unbiblical. Um, To preach the gospel, you must use words. If we just, if I just, if we took the godliest person in this room, I don't know who that is, and if you think it's you, then it's probably not because you're prideful. (laughs) But if we just took someone living a godly life, and from a distance, someone um, could watch them and see what they do, well, sure, they would might see you do acts of kindness. They see you go to church. They see you involved at the church. They see you be gracious to people, right? But, but that would not save that person. That wouldn't give them any clue as to the gospel which leads to life. So just seeing you live out the truth of the gospel, that's not the gospel. It might be the embodiment of the gospel. It might be you walking out the fruit of the Spirit. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is good news that Jesus came. People need to hear that. That's where true eternal life comes. Faith comes through hearing, Romans 10 says. Let's look at that briefly. Romans 10. Let's start in verse 11. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Did you catch that last part? How are they to hear without someone preaching it? I mean, he's just going sequentially through it. How will they call on him who they have not believed? You've got to believe, right? But then, how are they to believe if they've never heard? So they've got to hear it. And how are they going to hear it without someone telling them? No, they need someone to tell them. And it goes on. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So we've got to send people. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. All right, Salvation is given. God has set it up for it to come primarily through the preaching of the word. Through his word. And it's not, <clears throat> it's not behind this pulpit, though it does happen there. Um, you know, Paul had many different ways of sharing the gospel. Sometimes he'd go into the synagogue, but sometimes he'd go into the marketplace. All right? 
And many of you are in the marketplace, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're working, whether you're a dad in the workforce or self-employed, you're in the marketplace. So you share wherever God has you. If you're in the synagogue or the church, then that's, that's your position to do that. If you're in the marketplace, then that's your position to do that. Here's the thing. We can't water down the mission. We can't water it down. So they are separate and distinct. While they go together, you don't want to confuse the two. Service is not preaching and teaching the gospel. It simply is not. Meeting physical needs is not preaching and teaching the gospel. So we need to make sure we take both, and we take both clearly and distinctly. Listen, each one of us will lean towards one or the other. We might be more inclined to do the service part, to meet the physical needs. We might be more inclined to the spiritual, to do the mission. One will be easier for you to do. It will be more natural. You might want to do that one more, but here's the thing. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you want. It's what is needed. And both are needed. Both are needed. So we need to have both in our church's life, but also our personal lives. We look at the example of one of our mission trips. Liberty's still learning how to do missions. God's been gracious to us, but he's been teaching us. We've been going to Belize since, um, what is it, like 2009, 2010? Eight, okay. Um, We're intentionally taking this year off, as we've explained. Um, God spoke to us and spoke to the pastor um, in Belize, Pastor Smith. Um, you guys want to, I don't know if we shared the reason, but you want to know the reason why Pastor Smith ultimately said this isn't the year for us to come? One person wants to know? <clears throat> he shared with us that he wants to train his people that they're not just supposed to be the, the receivers, but they too are supposed to be the senders. And he wants to make sure that his people realize that they too are supposed to be the missionaries that are sent. So he has taken, been taking really this, you know, back to January, this whole year to train his people, and they're going on their own mission trip in Belize down south. Yeah, praise God is right. So <clears throat> it's exciting that really even you could say from our influence of going there, it's impacted him and encouraged him to train his people to be missionaries as well. So they're doing that. We can be praying uh, for them. They're heading out, um, I think, in about two months uh, to do that. Um, So our example at Liberty, we've done outreaches in Belize, but we've also built houses. We've painted churches. We've also run a VBS sharing with the kids. We've handed out food, and we've done door-to-door evangelism. We've done women's Bible studies, and we've done, believe it or not, spa days. (laughs) Talk to Justice if you want to know more about that. Just kidding. 
But that's service and that's mission together. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I understand here the context is financial. But I think there's a good application here I want you to see in verse 10, which we read. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I believe that's a promise, that as you are being gracious to give and help others in their needs and being gracious to give to the church, God's going to take care of you. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. But I think there's a good application here because I think sometimes we are like, um, Lord, how how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to, I'm not up to the task, Lord. Like, he puts something before us and, and we're like, Lord, I'm freaking out. Well, look what it says here. He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. He'll increase the harvest of your righteousness. Like, he's going to take care of you. He's going to give you exactly what you need for the ministry at hand. And if you don't feel equipped, well, that's actually a great place to be because it makes you depend on the Lord to do whatever. If you can do things without God involved, I mean, that's not going to be lasting fruit. All right? It's going to be epic fail. You want to do things where you have to trust God to come through for you because he wants you to trust him. He wants to show you that he will do the very thing he's talking about. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So he's going to enrich you. He's going to give you what you need to do that ministry. It might not be a ministry that you want to do, but it is a ministry that you need to do. But God will come through. He always comes through for his people. That's a fact. He will come through for you. He will never let you down. What does he say in Hebrews? He's quoting the Old Testament. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, all right? He is faithful. One of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 1, it says, all the promises of God are what? Yes, in Christ Jesus. All the promises. Not some of the promises, not a few of the promises, all the promises, all right? If he commits to something, God is faithful, he will do it. He will come through every single time. He puts a need before you. He puts a task for you to do. He will empower you to do it. He will come through. All right? God has blessed his church. Look at it. Let's just look at Ephesians. We're going to wrap it up here. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. All right, so God puts people in positions of leadership. It says to equip the saints. Right here is really the apostles and the prophets, the word, right? It's written down. But then also evangelists, shepherds and teachers. What, what are they doing? They're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Equipping the saints for the working of ministry. What's the point of that? They're building up the body of Christ. Building us up, 
those believers are ready, but also numerically building up the body of Christ, adding people to the body of Christ. We are equipped. We are equipped to do that. You might not feel equipped. That's okay. But we're equipped. Each one of us is equipped to serve Christ. If you're saved, you're equipped. All right? Now, you might have some growing to do. You might have some learning to do. You might have some studying to do. But you're equipped. God has equipped you. And each one of you has at least one spiritual gift. And he wants you using that gift in service to him. In a whole variety of areas, but in service to him. So I want to encourage us as opportunities come, as the Lord is leading this church to do different things, service and mission, to participate, to be a part, to serve. It might be behind-the-scenes stuff. Some people are more equipped for that. It might be up front. Some people are more equipped for that. But God has equipped the saints to do God's work. Do you guys want to do God's work? I want to do God's work, all right? If we want to do it, then let's be faithful in what he puts before us, the opportunities he provides. We walk through those doors. Some of you have said to me before, you know, I want to grow in my faith, and I want to grow, and I don't feel like I'm growing. Look, if you want to grow, there's, it's a different sermon, but if you want to grow, just one area, you serve. Growth comes through service. All right? If you're just sitting at home, you're not doing much, you're going to grow stale. All right? He doesn't want you to be in stale. He wants you growing. He wants you flourishing. So, my encouragement is, be involved. You are equipped. He's given you the gift. Take that talent and spend it. Spend it out. Spend it on people. Be used by God. Be faithful to use the giftings that he has given you. You will see growth. You will see growth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you your son Jesus we thank you that we can be saved by the blood of the lamb we thank you that you wash us clean white as snow Lord we want to be a church that's busy about the work that you give us not not some list of things we want to do Father but what you want this church to do what you want individuals in this church to do. Service and mission. So continue to take us each step along the way. Continue to give us those opportunities. Continue to give us wisdom and insight to minister faithfully. Lord, I pray for our VBS this week that you would do a supernatural work. It's a short time. It doesn't seem like much, God. But you can do an amazing amount in a small amount of time. The gospel can be given in a minute or two, and lives can be changed. So be there with us this week, Lord. Anoint that building and the fields that we're going to be playing on. Give us 
big hearts for ministry. Give us a love for these children. Let us minister, God, with what you've put before us. We ask that you bring many, many kids this week that we can minister to them. Minister to the physical needs with this lunch program that we participate in. Minister to their spiritual needs with the gospel of truth. We pray as well for the barbecue Friday afternoon to that community, to the same kids and their parents that you would shine light in that dark place. That we would go in service and mission. Let your gospel go forth in that community, Father. Continue to protect Link. Continue to give it the resources it needs. Continue to have it be faithful. Pray for your hand of blessing and protection upon Link, upon Kathy who leads it, that you would continue doing your work through them. Thank you, God, for the privilege of us partnering with them. Thank you, Lord, that you've helped us to realize we need to meet needs and not wants. Thank you, Lord, that we've been able to shift gears a little bit here at the end. So go before us, Father. We recognize, we acknowledge, we really do need what 2 Corinthians 9 is talking about. We need you to increase the supply, Lord. Maybe some of us are running low. Increase, Lord, our supply, our faithfulness, our faith to do your work. Just wipe away the discouragement, Father, and replace it with hope for those who need it. Lord, we thank you that you've redeemed us, that you have called us your own. We thank you that we can stand confident on your word. Everything else, Lord, is shifting sand. So may we stand, God, and may we continue to stand. Make us ministers devoted unto you for your glory. Amen.